This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hi, this is Matthew Brodsky with Knowledge at Wharton. We're here to talk with Erica Dewan, co-author of Get Big Things Done, The Power of Connectional Intelligence. Um, Erica is a strategist and researcher and a former Wall Street banker who comes to us with degrees from Wharton, Harvard, and MIT. In her new book, Erica describes a new 21st century skill that she calls connectional intelligence, where people can combine the power of ambition, knowledge, and human capital to achieve great things. My first question for you is about the concept of connectional intelligence. Um, I gather you've been researching it perhaps since you graduated Wharton as an undergrad. Why did you come to connectional intelligence, and how has your understanding of it evolved over time? Great question, Matt. So I uh, grew up in a family of immigrants. I'm the daughter of two Indian immigrants. And um, like many immigrant children, I wanted to check off all the boxes of of success. I went to Wharton undergrad, and I um, went into a great job on Wall Street afterwards. And during that time, I also worked through the 2008 recession. And uh, through that experience, I really began to witness uh, a sense of disillusionment, confusion, and burnout among the millennial generation, which was the generation that I was a part of. And like many other millennials, I worked incredibly hard. But at the same time, I saw that there was an underlying desire for greater meaning in our work and finding new ways um, to find passion and purpose. And that led me to actually entirely switch gears. And I spent a series of years studying uh, the next wave, the next generation's desires and how they were desiring to work in today's world, um, both in the midst of the financial crisis, but also at a time where we saw a rise in social technologies like Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And what I began to see is that from um, uh, someone who worked in private equity to an NGO leader, many of the struggles were quite similar. And they were really struggles related to how to navigate the noise of social media in our overconnected world and, and cut through and really find purpose and meaning. And at that point, I really began to dig in into this idea of how we could connect intelligently in today's world. And that led me um, to meet my co-author, renowned business strategist, Saj Nicole Jonai, uh, and, and who's also a CEO advisor. And together, what we realized is that there is this underlying capacity, what we call connectional intelligence, that anyone really can harness in today's world. And the key question today is not about how do we obtain more networks and more connections, but the key question today is how do we connect intelligently and harness the connectedness available to all of us to get big things done? And that's what led to the journey of writing the book with Saj Nicole Jonai. Interesting. Um, you, you mentioned in the book that connectional intelligence has been with us for generations. Uh, you know, historically great thinkers like Ben Franklin and folks like Florence Nightingale had connectional intelligence. Um, why is it more relevant than ever? Great question. So connectional intelligence, as we described in the book, isn't new. The great loser of our time from Ben Franklin, as you said, Florence Nightingale, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, all had great connectional intelligence. But 
what we discovered is that the scale, depth, and breadth of our connection is radically different in today's world. And that has not only allowed great inventors, artists, social activists to create change using connectional intelligence, but it has allowed young people, um, farmers, plumbers, um, surfers, to use their connectional intelligence to bring together communities, ideas, and disciplines in ways that never were imaginable just even 10 to 15 years ago. And it it's really that rise of connectional intelligence that really led us to write this book and really show how anyone anywhere can leverage the connectedness available to us to get big things done. How is the concept different than, you know, what business people think of as their networks or as networking? So about 10 years ago, Malcolm Gladwell actually uh, described the concept of there are three types of um, people that help create great networks and create a vibrant social epidemics. And they're the salesperson, the mavens, and the connectors. And really now, if we think about the word connector, um, it's often being labeled as really a term that's targeted towards building large networks or using networks as building relationships. But in today's world, what we realized is that concept of a connector is in need of an update. And the concept is not just about how do you become a connector, but really how do you use connection to get big things done in a radically different way. And the concept of connectional intelligence actually is broadening the idea of a connector to move beyond beyond building networks just as building a, a web of social assets or capital. And it's really allowing anyone to think about how, how one can build that web to actually lead to measurable change, to actually translate into outcomes. So what we're really guiding people to is not the question of quantity of networks, um, how many Twitter followers do you have, how many fakes, Facebook likes do you have, but we're moving to the question of the quality of networks and how can you build the quality of networks to get big things done. In our book, we actually talk about that there are three types of connectors in today's world. We talk about how there are connectors that are thinkers. Thinkers are those that have high curiosity and bring ideas together in groundbreaking new ways. Um, the second type of a connector is an enabler. Those are people that forge communities and create the structures and forces to get big things done. And the third type of a connector is a connection executor. These are the people that mobilize all the resources to get to get big things done. And so what began 10 years ago as a concept around networking and building networks has now emerged to a much more broadened view of how connections can be leveraged from many different levels. You use the term bewildering store of knowledge in the book and, and how we're able now to access that store of knowledge and wisdom, humanity's collective um, wisdom and knowledge. Um, what would you say to somebody, though, who argues that that might not necessarily be a good thing, that having all this access can create too much noise, um, too much confusion, or that, say, the Internet is, you know, bears too many risks than rewards? So I think it's an incredibly important question, and the 
we are living in an unprecedented time in history where we are all connected through social media, through mobile devices, through online communities. And like any human capacity, the rise of connectional intelligence is allowing for greatness and it's allowing also for a lot of crowd noise um, and a lot of distraction many times from what might matter most. And what I would say to that is, when we think about connectional intelligence, what we're really talking about is a human skill that anyone can use. And I, the best way to, uh, to describe this is the difference between collective intelligence, which is really this idea of leveraging crowd wisdom and all the wisdom available to us to, as compared to connectional intelligence, which is the, uh, the idea that we have an ability to combine knowledge, ambition, and human capital to forge connections on a global scale to create unprecedented value and meaning. And so as we think about our world that can be very noisy at times, um, and, um, and the idea of crowdsourcing is allowing us to scan and source lots of ideas, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be the right ideas or they'll help us achieve our goals. What we actually need is to combine the crown wisdom with connectional intelligence, which is the idea that we actually, many of the greatest breakthroughs come from small interconnected teams that may not actually um, be connected with the largest crowds, but may have enough diversity of interests, of disciplines, of worldviews to get something big done. Why would you say millennials are best positioned to take advantage of this? So I would say that in today's world, we are, um, as as we've seen in the past 10 to 15 years, um, the millennial generation has been raised of an in an age of only hyper-connectivity. And this has really allowed... Um, the millennial generation to not only be able to be native to new ways of working, to connective capacities, but also use it in really unique ways to scan and source ideas, to solve problems um, through disparate networks, to leverage ideas like social media. Um, but what I would also say is that connectional intelligence is not uh, specific to the millennial generation. What we found in our book is that this capacity and this force is available to all of us. And in my work with my co-author, Sasha Nicole Jonai, we found stories of a pumpkin farmer um, who in his 60s grew the world's largest pumpkin using connectional intelligence in ways uh, by connecting with small groups and leveraging a website called bigpumpkins.com and connecting with a community of scientists. Um, we also talk about a story called the Granny Cloud, which is a community of grandmothers in the UK and Australia who Skype weekly with Indian children. And what's really interesting about that is they're working with these children across the globe around fluency in English. But more interesting, something that really is interesting that came out of that is that these grandmothers feel connected to each other. As part of this community, as part of this community, in ways that they never were before, um, and we've also looked into studies that show that video interaction can make a huge difference for elder populations as cognitive abilities decline. So what we found is that while millennials may be native in connection, we can all use connectional intelligence. But what what also is key is that we have to leverage millennials' connectional intelligence oftentimes in our workplaces to generate new ideas, to solve problems, and make sure that we don't squash their connectional intelligence um, to adapt to more traditional ways of working. 
you, you shared a lot of great stories in the book um, to illustrate how individuals are accessing that connectional intelligence. You, you mentioned a couple uh, earlier in, in the previous question. Um, are there one or two other favorite examples you can share? Absolutely. One of my favorite stories is the story of a woman named Jeannie Peeper. Uh, Jeannie, for many years, struggled with a very rare disease called FOB. And for a long time, she um, scoured um, many different doctor's offices to try to diagnose the illness. But about 10 years ago, Jeannie decided to do something very different. She created the first ever Facebook group and email newsletter for anyone around the world that had FOB. This brought hundreds of people together that had this illness. And for the first time ever, Jeannie was able to create a knowledge network around this very rare disease because patients were globally connected in a way that they had never been before. Uh, soon enough from that, um, Jeannie and this small interconnected group was able to fund medical research for the rare disease. And also, um, they've created a community now that is teaching doctors ways to better diagnose the illness. And what I find so powerful about the story of Jeannie Peeper is that connectional intelligence is not a tool just for the rich or the business people or for the most successful. It's really a tool for anyone that has an idea or a passion or wants to make meaning around something and is willing to open themselves up to new people and ideas. And by doing that, amazing possibilities emerge. And what we found through so many stories, just like Jeannie's, are just that. When we open ourselves up to new ideas, to new communities, to new ways of working, oftentimes some of the greatest ideas are from the places we least expect it. You know, that said, um, you mentioned in the book how companies, corporations, big organizations can also benefit from connectional intelligence. Um, for instance, Green Exchange was one example. Um, can you go a little bit into that? Um, specifically, as well as, in general, how big organizations can benefit? Absolutely. I think there is a huge opportunity in Frontier for organizations to harness the connectional intelligence of their employees. One of the great examples uh, that we featured in the book is the story of Innocentive and Colgate. A few years ago, Colgate had a big science problem. They had a new fluoride that they were trying to mesh in their toothpaste. And all the best chemists were working on mixing the fluoride and the toothpaste together, but it wasn't mixing well and it was getting clogged up in the equipment. And while all the best chemists were trying to figure this out for months. For some reason, it was not getting fixed. And so what uh, uh, Colgate decided to do is they decided to post this question, this problem, onto a crowdsourcing site called Innocentive, which is a community of inventors that are scouring um, the, the website to help solve problems that companies are facing. And so they posted this question onto the site, and within days, a physicist named Ed Melkerick uh, posted an answer, and his answer was that this problem wasn't a chemistry problem, it was a physics problem. It was about charged particles. You charge the fluoride, charge the toothpaste, and instantly the problem was solved. And so what began as a month-long, months-long problem for Colgate was solved in such a short span by leveraging a new community in a very different way. But the flip side 
to that story is that Ed Melkerick, the physicist, was someone who may not have typically ever been hired by Colgate. So a big piece of understanding connectional intelligence is understanding, one, how to use it to acquire and find great talent, but secondly, how to access networks outside your company's existing ecosystem to reach customers in new ways, to solve scientific problems, to mobilize and sell a product in new categories and beyond. What's the story of Green Exchange? So the story of Green Exchange is Green and Nike had decided to release 400 patents um, to companies that would be willing to use those patents for environmentally sustainable use um, and non-competitive use. So an interesting um, story that came out of Green Exchange is that when Nike launched Green Exchange, one of the things that happened is a mountain biking company decided to use one of Nike's rubber patents in their tires. And it led to immense savings for the company. But what it also really led to is an entire community that was coming together in a very different way and really shifting the notion of what intellectual property has meant for so many years. The other great thing that happened out of Green Exchange is many other companies like Best Buy and Creative Commons began to follow on and began to also share some of their patents for sustainable use with other companies. Interesting. Um, you know, you hear the word disruption a lot in the, the business media these days. What traditional power structures and industries will connectional intelligence disrupt? I would say that connectional intelligence is a capacity that, when used well uh, by employees, by customers, by manufacturers, uh, can disrupt any industry, truly. And the way that I'll describe that is um, actually the best story. One of my favorite stories from the book is the story of Ben Kaufman, who was the founder of Quirky. Um, and Quirky um, originated when Ben Kaufman asked the question, why does it take two and a half years to design and manufacture a potato peeler by a kitchenware company in today's world? Why is the, why is the length from the beginning design phase to the distribution uh, so long? And what he created was a community called Quirky, where the, it's a large community of inventors that every month they they vote on two inventions that they are going to design and manufacture that month. They have inventors from all over the world that vote for these ideas, that come together. Um, they have an entire community in New York uh, that designs and manufactures these inventions. And then today they have partnerships with companies like Home Depot and General Electric to actually accelerate the supply chain in a way that wasn't possible ever before. And what I think is the real powerful connectional intelligence aspect to that is how Ben Kaufman really asked the question, how can we open up the, this process to a community of inventors that typically aren't asked by a large company to help solve a problem, to help bring in an idea, to help manufacture the idea and bring it to scale? And I think that just that story is, is one small example, but there are many others that we're seeing in how businesses is disrupting when people are using their connectional intelligence in new ways. It's very inspirational stuff. Um, and the last part of the book is a handbook where people can take what they've learned in the earlier sections of the book and apply them to their own lives, their businesses. Um, you know, for our viewers now, what are 
a couple of the takeaways that after reading your book and learning about connectional intelligence that they can apply right away to their lives and their businesses? Yes, so the handbook is my favorite part of Get Big Things Done. And it's a mix of a quiz, a manager guide, an application set of tools for you to assess how you can use your own connectional intelligence at work and how you can leverage a group of people's connectional intelligence to get something big done. I would say that the the biggest impact of the handbook and, and lessons for readers are one, Um, to really think very critically about the quality of connections that you're building, not just the quantity. And the idea that networks don't simply lead to measurable change. And so one of the first things in the handbook is we help you assess what type of connectionally intelligent person are you? Are you a thinker, someone that brings together ideas? Are you an enabler, the person that likes to build community around those ideas? Or are you a connection executor, someone that really can mobilize resources in action to get big things done. And once you really understand how you are a connector in today's world, because I truly believe that we're all connectors in many different forms, then you can understand how do you build the resources around you to help leverage both your strengths and also leverage areas where you not might not be as strong in. Um, so one thing we found is um, if you, you might be an introvert, And if you're an introvert, that doesn't mean that you're not using connectional intelligence, but you might be using it in a different way. You may be using it um, to write blogs or share on Twitter or to connect ideas um, together. And by doing that, you may be a thinker. But what you could do is maybe connect or reach out to connection executors that may have a different set of resources and tools to get something big done. So I think on the highest level, it's one Think critically about the networks that you build, the quality, uh, not just the quantity. Two, assessing what type of connector you are. And three, how you can use and leverage those around you that have different skills in order to get big things done. Erica, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, and I just have one last question for you. How do you plan to use connectional intelligence to promote your book about connectional intelligence? That is a great question. And I would say that we are using connectional intelligence entirely in in our work to promote the book. One of the big ways we're doing it is we're doing a Twitter series where we're doing a countdown where we're asking people to share but take the quiz and actually share back with us what type of connectionally intelligent person they are. Um, so we can really have a dialogue online both through blogging and on Twitter to talk about how people are not only assessing their own connectional intelligence, but using it in action. And we hope to continue to build stories of those that are using their own connectional intelligence and featuring these stories on the web. Erica, again, it's been a pleasure to talk with you and and thank you for, for the interview. Best of luck with your book release. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.